off the bat, yeah, I don't dislike this episode. I don't dislike this episode either, but I also don't like this episode. No, it's another one of those ones that I watch it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this one. And then I watch it. I'm like, okay, moving on. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I'm perfectly fine to like move on with my life after this episode. Just gonna just gonna go. I will say I do like the way that they did the case. Like it felt actually felt natural the way they like came to conclusions and then figured out who it was like it felt good it wasn't just like we're pretending to solve a case for 30 minutes and then like surprised we had all the answers you know like it actually feels like they're putting together a mystery yeah and we've been kind of getting on them for that recently about like having all of the answers minute one but not doing anything about it so i do think it's nice that this case they were like we're reaching conclusions naturally we're looking at like displaced people then that leads us to homeless shelters then that leads us to maybe it's somebody who's camping out on the streets then that means it leads us to yeah people who are displaced in other ways like like it, it all felt yeah. they built it really well yeah it, it wasn't like last episode there were a lot of opportunities if they had just like asked one more question or talked to like one more person they would have had the answer that, but they didn't this like was like okay they're doing it correctly and like they figure it out naturally it's not just like surprise this symbol and this symbol relate to this book and then the (laughs) kid thinks he's the forbidden child of this person and oops he blew someone up you know it's like okay i guess yeah they did a good job i think this episode more than obviously last episode which was a season two low this one it's like this one is not as bad as last week, obviously. No. We're like, we're, we're, we got to start somewhere. We got to start going back up somewhere. You know, this is the first yeah, step yeah. to get to like some of the, my favorite episodes of Carmen Wines. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is a nice step up. And then next week we have Jones and then, you know, and then it Ugh. like builds up till yeah. the end of the season to dance, dance evolution. So I like that. We're like, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta yeah. get the first step out of the way. This is the first step yeah. out of the gutter. <laughs> yes, Exactly. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, last, I feel like Revelations, as much as, like, we didn't like Revelations, it is, like, a big, you know, episode. It's a big deal. They had this high of, like, Revelations, and then it just fell for Fear and Loathing. Absolutely crashed. This is, like, the first climb up, and then I think Jones is a good episode, as, you know, eye-rolling as fucking William Lamonte Jr. is. It's a good episode. And this was a good, like, stepping stone to getting back. Like, last episode, you're like, I don't know if I like this show. I guess I'll give it one more. And then you watch this one, and you're like, okay, yeah, I'll watch next week, too. And then you watch Jones, and you're like, I'm back. I'm back on the train now. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Also, they didn't say this episode, but they do say Wheels Up next episode. So we are back in the Wheels Up. Finally, we're in the ballpark again. God, I feel like we had a (laughs) drought. (laughs) I know. And I feel like I've been saying like soon, soon, but I just forgot how late in this season Jones was. Yeah. Like in my head, Jones is like early and no, it's episode like 18. Yeah. 19. Yeah. 18. 18. We need to talk about this episode. But before we can do that, we gotta play the theme song.
going insane, I think. Actually, <laughs> we're going insane. Do the ask me if I want to work on a podcast so we can talk about the damn reboot. James, do you want to talk about Criminal Minds on our podcast here, Wheels Up? I would love to talk about season two, episode 17, Distress, here on our Criminal Minds podcast. You, that was a very, that was a very, like, I feel like we had some energy and then you just completely <laughs> lost that energy for oh. that. I feel like I was putting something forward and you were like, okay. yeah, sure, fuck. We'll talk about okay. season two, episode 17, Distress, I guess. Like- I would. I would love to talk about season two, episode 17, Distress, here on our Wheels Up podcast. Is that better? That was better. I, I feel like you matched okay. my energy better there and Good. you made me giggle. So <laughs> double win. Okay. So the reboot's happening. The reboot is officially happening and we will literally never be free from this podcast. (laughs) At least it's only like 10 episodes, you know, at least they're not like, and we're restarting it indefinitely, you know. (laughs) But here's the other thing, you know, that if people eat those 10 episodes up, there's going to be 10 more episodes after that. And here's the other thing, James, James, before we even get to the reboot, (laughs) we have 13 more seasons of the main show. At least one season of, what is it, fucking behavior or whatever, and then two Suspects. more seasons of Beyond Borders. And like, ten episodes of a re- Here's the question. Do we put the 10 episodes of the reboot right after? Here's what I think we should do, depending on yeah. when the, on when the uh, spinoff comes out. I think we should talk about the spinoff as it comes out. I think well, we will fine. need to like take a break from the main show and from that's, all of this okay. and just talk about the spinoff as it comes out. Yeah. And it'll be like a fun little like spin-off of Wheels Up. It'll be a fun little like it'll it'll be like a wheels down. Cruising wheels. altitude. The wheels spinning up. spinning wheels. Something like that. And so we'll do like a it'll be like a fun little <laughs> event for our podcast viewers as well, listeners as well. That's true. That's true. Our podcast viewers who view us. <laughs> you know, the ones who stare at us, the ones yeah. who um, <laughs> hear us sneeze on the podcast uh, while they're listening that's... in public and then say, bless you out loud. Yeah, that's my bad. Apologies to that person. <laughs> apologies to that person who probably got some weird looks, but also not apologies at all. I think it's yeah. funny. And like, my mom would be proud of your manners for blessing us yeah. after we've sneezed on this podcast. So just and know it- my mom's proud of you for that one. And it's exciting to know we're building that parasocial relationship. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're here. It's very, uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you for, thank you for blessing me or James when we sneezed. It's really like, like <laughs> first step towards building that truly parasocial relationship. Oh yeah, for sure. Next it's going to be like, are you a B or a James? <laughs> You know. We're going to make a BuzzFeed quiz. <laughs> Pick this like Fallout Boy lyric and I'll tell you if you're a B or a James. <laughs> I was in the top 1% of Spotify artists or Fallout Boy listeners in 2020. Honestly, I don't blame you. I was in the top I was in like the top 0.5 of Matt Mason listeners, but that's because I think there are like four Matt Mason fans on earth. So I don't even know who that is. So one of the best singer songwriters recently. Oh, bold claims. Anyway, okay. do we want to talk about yeah. <laughs> Criminal Minds, the, the show? The show Criminal Minds? 
the show, the television, it's not a show. It's an experience. Season two, episode 17, Distress. So we start off, oh my God, before we start, Mm -hmm. Spencer Reed. Spencer Reed. I'm, okay, here's the thing. This episode was very loud and it was very difficult for me to listen to. I was like, I need to put on my fucking noise canceling headphones to listen to this episode, which I guess was like the point. But it was very inconsiderate for those of us with noise issues. Also, the subtitles were fucking garbage. Oh, really? I didn't even watch the subtitles. Yeah, they were trash. Spencer Reed. Okay. Are we meant to assume he's on drugs now? Or is he just an asshole? Because here's the thing. I made a note of it. His being an asshole drops halfway through this episode. Like his whole, like, I can't listen to anybody. I'm all grumpy and moody. Blah, blah, blah. He like is mean to Emily and then they get back to the precinct and then he's just like fine the rest of the episode. So like what, ha- what? what? What gives? Was he just an asshole? Like what the fuck? Also like okay before we start talking about Spencer Reed I want to make it clear. Okay. Not we're not making fun of or Saying that Spencer Reed sucks because he is an addict. No. Yes, you're correct. Some of the nicest people I've fucking met in my entire life. (laughs) We are not making fun of him for that. We're making fun of him because he's a fucking pompous dickbag. I don't know if we're meant to imply that he's, like, taking drugs. But, like, I feel like they didn't do anything this episode to, like... No. Put that back in our minds. Like, if you just watched this episode, just this one, you would would just just think think Spencer's a fucking dick. Yeah, literally. Like. Yes. And also, like. He's just a dick. It was unclear last episode if he was supposed to be doing drugs. This episode, there was no mention of drugs or anything. He was just, like, late and then rude. And then next episode, he just, like, ditches work. And then Gideon's like, hey, can you get your shit together? And he's like, okay. And then he's normal again. So, like, is he on drugs here? Is he on Dilaudid? Like, it's unclear to me. And I, you know, we talk about it so, like, oh, he's on drugs, he's on drugs. And later, he's, late in a few seasons, he's like, I'm almost on drugs again, whatever. But it's like, hey, in the moment, is he on drugs, though? Yeah, and, like, it doesn't even make sense later on when he's, like, when he goes to the, like, support group. hmm Later on. That's later this season, right? It's next season. Or next season, sorry. Spencer being on drugs gets talked about like it's this sort of, like, immovable, absolute thing that definitely super happened. But honestly, just looking at the text in front of us, it is not, not clear at all. Not at all. At all. And we also, I don't think we see him getting rid of his drugs or... Or getting more drugs. Yeah, it's like literally he steals them, he looks at them once, and then it's kind of just never mentioned again, except like at the beginning of next season, Hosh just say like one of my agents had a drug problem and I did nothing about it. And it was like, but like, did he though? Did he have a drug problem? Did he? I can't I tell. Just, or did you just go through a phase? I can't tell. Was he just like an angsty teenager for a bit? Like, what's up here? And I think it, this was like a really interesting chance to look at 
addiction and to have somebody who is an addict on the show, you know, and then to have that be like a continuing thing that comes up, you know? Yeah, and it's just so weird to me because of the way that they talk about it. Like, the way that, like, MGG talks about it, like, in interviews and stuff like mm-hmm. that at the time. And then also the way that they reference it in canon later, they yeah. make it seem like it's this some big, huge fucking deal. It's three episodes and all we've seen him do is look at drugs and be mean. Yeah. Like, yeah, like they, I don't they really, really retcon it to be something super serious. Yeah. And, you know, addiction and all of that is serious. It's super serious. But Spencer's dealing with not so much. But Spencer doesn't... There's something to be said with, like, walking that fine line between implying something, like that show-not-tell line, right? Right. And there's especially something to be said when that show, when the thing you're trying to show is something that might be, like, triggering or or otherwise, like, upsetting to people, right? There's mm-hmm. there's this fine line to walk here. I get that. I understand that. I think you went a little too far on the side of, like, just sort of telling us and just thinking that everybody was watching every single episode every week with you, you know? Yeah, and also just in terms of the timeline of the show. So Revelations happens, like, what did I say? Like, February 4th, something like that. This episode takes place you know, between February 14th and February 17th. And then next episode is end of February. So it's like a month. Yeah. For like a month, he's like maybe an addict. And obviously that's still a long time. And I do understand the serious addiction and all that. But like they rush through his like addiction, low point recovering. Yeah. This episode, I think if that guy, let's see, if that guy had gone missing on the 13th and they got mm-hmm. called in a week later, this is like, what, February 18th or whatever? Like They said, they said like five days later. I said it yeah. was February 19th now. Okay, that, that tracks. Right. I'll go with you. I trust you more than the Criminal Minds writers when it comes to this timeline. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's just, I understand that obviously you got to walk that fine line obviously like addiction does not look the same for everyone um there's a whole lot of factors here that you know somebody with more finesse could like talk about better but mm-hmm. like we're podcast hosts and this was fucking CBS with a shit ton of money behind it and oh, they yeah. were like yeah just make him like mean for a few episodes and then just call it just cut it Honestly, I think one of the things that makes me dislike Spencer Reed kind of generally is that like MGG like does not care about Spencer. Like AJ Cook is ride or die with JJ. Like had a breakdown at the end of the show because of what they fucking did to JJ. Paget Brewster is like so into Emily. Like everyone, you know, Penelope, uh, Shamar Moore with Derek. Like everyone is so... They care so much about their characters and what happens to their characters. And then MGG is just like, whatever, let's make him a drug addict. Ooh, what if he has migraines and almost dies of a brain tumor? Ooh, what if he just like stabs himself? Ooh, what if he, it's like, it's like, do you care about your man at all? 
Yeah, no. it's a little weird, isn't it? Like, now that you mention it, it's a little funny. I think if only because of the contrast. Like, everybody else on the show is taking it seriously. And then MGP From is what like, we can see. Off. Again, this right. is sort of speculation based on, like, interviews and, like, yeah. what we know about life outside of the show while the show was airing. Sorry, right. continue. I just have to put that out there. No, you're right. You know, but then MGG is, like, you know using the r word in interviews and it's like yeah so you don't care. like in the same everyone quotes the interview where he says that you know he basically says like spencer reed has three phds you kind of have to be autistic to do that that's like what he says and then he calls himself <laughs> functionally r word in the next breath <laughs> so it's like and so i'm like why does no one ever mention that when you're talking about this interview anyway I just like how much does he actually care about this like show? And like I've watched the behind the scenes thing he did of like the Matthew Gray Googler documentary, whatever that he did of him like on set. And it's like he's dicking around and then in the background you see like everybody else like reading their lines, like taking notes, running through things, and then he's literally just dicking around. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's there's something in this performance of this week that just, I think I mentioned it before that I kind of become the uh, president and co-founder of the Spencer Reed Hate Club, yeah. and I think this is where it begins. It is, this is. <laughs> I think this is really, like, this is kind of the starting place. Like, Revelations are the big game. I was, like, starting to get there. But I think this is when, like, I signed the charter to start the club. You know what I mean? This is when I paid my first due to the club. <laughs> I think also before, like, in season one, when we complained about Spencer, it was, like, the writers are infantilizing him or the writers are letting him get away with this. The writers don't give him any repercussions. And, but like, as a character, he's, like, you know, fine. But this season, it is like, damn, this boy is unlikable. <laughs> damn, damn, this man kind of sucks. Yeah, and it has nothing. I mean, it obviously, it does have to do with the writers. But it's like, God, you say some awful shit and you treat Emily like dirt. And for what? And for what? Ugh, and God. for what? We should get into the actual okay. episode now because we spent nearly 20 minutes just talking about <laughs> how much we hate Spencer in this episode yeah, and okay. going forward. And again, he I go through. It's like it's like faces of the moon with me and Spencer. Yeah. Sometimes I like that boy. Sometimes I hate his ass. And this week is a time that I hate his ass. Yeah, Sorry to say. It's a bad one. OK, so the episode starts with some kids, other hooligans banging up on some sort of construction stuff, spray painting. Things. You know, just fucking up construction zones like kids do, I guess. Hooligan shit. It's hooligan shit. Hooligan shit, yeah. And then a security guard shoots into the air and is like, stop. Uh, they're all running and one kid is like slow and he's getting chased by the cop and the cop like trips on his face. And you're like, Ooh. and then there's a bang and then it's just like a cat. Okay. Every time the whole, every time Roy attacks someone, there's this like tiger growl sound. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There sure is. And I was like, at first, I was like, oh, I get it. He's like scared. Then it's a cat. And then it's like, no, it's a tiger growl. This guy kills you. But but it is every time. 
It is every time. It sure is. And like, for what? <laughs> like, just, why? <laughs> like, why? I think it's objectively really funny. And I'm not afraid to say that. I think it's objectively really funny. It's stupid, and I don't think a great choice, but it is very funny. Yeah. Yeah, our dude snaps the security guard's neck without a second thought. Without a fucking blink. And it's quick, and it's it's a quick and dirty neck oh, snap yeah. right there. It's a, actually pretty amazing. And we see him taking the gun. Oh, no, now he has a gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, now he has a gun. Exactly. So, we cut to the BAU. This, okay, there is no frill in this episode. They had to save all of the character frill so that they could give it to Spencer and he could use it being mean to people for no reason. Any sort of other character moments, they were like, nope, we got to cut those. We got to give Spencer all the extra screen time this episode so he can be late and then so he can be a dick on the plane. That's really funny. Unfortunately, very true. But like, also, you're correct. I know. That's the worst part about it is that I am correct. I hate him. This, hey, you want to join my club? I got a cool club. It's called, it's called the Spencer Reed Hate Society. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you want to join. Yeah. 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 I'll be co-president with you. I'll be vice president. You can run it, but I'll be vice president. Okay, so true. I love that. I get to be president of something? I love that. Love that for me. Yeah. Okay, JJ lets us know. We are going to Houston's fifth ward. I don't know if that means things to other people. It means nothing to me. There's a large percent of murder because of gangs and also because of drugs. Okay. In the last 48 hours, there have been three distinctive murders that are different from the killings because of drugs and guns. All the other gang violence, (laughs) I think they said a lot of. Yeah. Okay. So there's three different men. They're all different races and different economic groups and different um, locations, but they all have their necks snapped, which is wild. So it picked up some notice. Yeah, neck snapping is not like a that's not like an that's not like an everyday man's murder weapon. You know what I mean? No. That's not an everyman's kind of tool. That is that's, a You have to like overpower them, get them from behind, and then just like snap. You know? Yeah. Like that's hard to do. Yeah. Which is crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. They also say like there's no other injury, no connection between the people, and no motive for the crimes. And then Reed shows up late with coffee and everyone is just like... 15 minutes late with Starbucks, baby! <laughs> I was like, way to be gay, Reed. Way to be gay! Yeah. So true, and King. Derek and Gideon are like looking Reed over and everyone else is like pointedly ignoring that he's late. Emily says maybe it's like some sort of gang initiation and JJ's like, no, I don't think so. Gangs use guns. And Derek's like, drugs? Maybe? And JJ's like, ah, eh, not really. And I liked this because it was very clear that JJ like looked at this file and was like, that's weird. That's suspicious. <laughs> that's suspicious. That's weird. That's suspicious. That's weird. Uh, and then she was went to the team and was like, hey, I've got a case for us. 
this is this look it's hard it's weird uh and everyone's like okay that's sure fine. yeah sure tell me yes or no to my initial like three theories and then like we can get on the plane and go <laughs> like- yeah and then Rita's like great a case with no leads and no motives that'll be easy and it's like hey Reed, <laughs> go fuck yourself dude like come on come the fuck on you like think we get it, you're twenty five. <laughs> I get it, you're like doing drugs and stuff, but usually don't. Doesn't that make you feel better? Okay, isn't that kind of the point? <laughs> we talked about that last episode. Of- it was like heroin makes you like bliss out. It doesn't make you a crappy <laughs> bitch. Yeah, why? <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I just have. <laughs> got a case of the giggles okay if they were going for a realistic representation of somebody who was going through a difficult time with addiction and drugs they missed the mark they missed the mark real bad i stand by but i originally said what we originally talked about where reed would like stop showing up for work or start looking really unkempt and messy and not be able to give information and just like clearly something is wrong you see him and you're like you have made it here and that is all you have done like you have no (laughs) idea what the fuck is happening you can't string a sentence together you you don't know what your name is you're like falling asleep at your desk like that shit I would expect, you know, like constantly excusing yourself to go do drugs. And instead, they he looks as immaculate as ever, like freshly brushed hair. He's just kind of like a mean gay. He's <laughs> he just really like a mean is just twink like, this episode. He's just a mean twink. Yeah. I and Emily is mean twink. I like that he's a mean twink at Emily. And then she's like, hey, fuck you. <laughs> Cut that Emily's shit like, out. Emily's like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> she's diffused enough tense situations in gay bars to be like, hey, no, cut that shit out, Twink. Get out of here. Imagine, Go find somebody else. Like, <laughs> imagine Emily going up to Reed. Reed says something, and then she goes, listen here, you fucking rude ass Twink. You shut your goddamn mouth and respect your elders. Like, it's just. Here's the thing that I think is so baffling about Spencer Reed's whole portrayal is like they don't even lean on the negative stereotypes for addicts. Like it's a CBS show. Sometimes they're going to go for the lowest hanging fruit and that's going to be some fucking terrible stereotypes about addicts. They don't even do that. They've shown unsubs that are addicts all sweaty with sunken eyes and baggy clothing and dirty hair then reed shows up looking absolutely immaculate sunday best and he's like yeah i kind of have a heroin problem (laughs) (laughs) just a quirky little heroin problem like no (laughs) no i hate it all right reed is snarky and people are sus that's what i said we see the homeless guy he's hiding he's watching another cheetah growl great Another weird growl. Opening credits. We're on the plane. Derek is going over the victims. 
First was a construction worker, and he says, okay, a community outsider. Second is a security guard, and he says, okay, an authority figure. Third is a homeless person, and someone suggests that that was just like a squabble. And he's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. This guy's powerless. What do you gain from killing another or a homeless person? And Hot is like, well, we can see if they like frequented any of the same stores or any of the same sites. And Reed makes two assumptions that are incorrect. Blitz attacks, and he says that's because he has no interpersonal skills. And then surprise attack, attack, so he must be, like, tracking and following them. Neither of these things are true. He, um, the, blitz, the blitz attacks thing I don't know is about kind that. of true. Is it? Because, not necessarily because he doesn't have interpersonal skills, but because he... He seems you're to right, be doing right. a blitz a, a blitz attack of sorts, right? I mean, right, even right. though it's for like other reasons, it's just it's still technically a blitz attack, just not for the reason Spencer thinks it is. Right. Yes, correct. Yes. And it is a surprise attack, not because he's following him, but like they're fucking surprised. They certainly um, are shocked. Yeah. Derek and Gideon are like we're going to go to the crime scene. Hot is like, great, everyone else in the precinct so we get started. And Reed says, I'll do the geographic profile to find the places that they could be. And Emily's like, oh, I'll help you. And he's like, oh, fuck you, you think I need help? And she's like, ah, uh, what? <laughs> hey, what? And then Hot is like, Hot is like, Prentice will help you with the geographic profile. And he's just like, fine. <laughs> He really is just like a mean gay teenager this episode. Truly. Like truly the meanest. Don't don't snap at this nice lesbian in the bar. Like she's just here for a drink. <laughs> and the worst part is that Emily has this like sad face. Emily's like, what did I do wrong? Emily looks like wrong? a kicked puppy because this twink is just so mean. And I fucking hate it here. Yeah. Emily is literally like, hey, do you want some help? And Reed goes, you got a fucking problem? And Emily's like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then everyone's like looking at Reed all like suspicious. And then Hotch is like, anyway, nobody go anywhere alone. There's a lot of crime. And then Derek <laughs> proceeds to go like everywhere alone this episode. <laughs> Well, no, Gideon follows him around the whole time. Even then, he goes into that building alone, and it's like, that's hey. He just, like, wanders off. <laughs> like, yeah, what's up? Gideon's like, oh, we'll ask him where he's going when he gets back. Hey, what? <laughs> that's, it's funny. No, it's funny. Um, I liked the Derek Gideon stuff this episode. There's a lot They're of them, a fun like... fun duo. Um, yeah. Yeah, when we are. get we don't get them together that often, but when we do, I kind of... They're becoming a... They're a good duo to me. Season one, it was like Gideon doing some crazy white man shit and Derek being like, what the fuck? And then this season, it's like much more. They're know, both funny. on their shit. Yeah. They're both on their weird shit. Yeah. And yeah. they're both like, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Derek and Gideon go to the scene. The detective meets them and he's like, the vandalism, it's, you know, that's what kids do. But the security guard had a gun and now he's missing his gun. The only thing around is a liquor store and the locksmith, except for that empty building. And Derek's like, cool, I'm going to go alone to the empty building. Gideon Later. watches him walk away. The police detective is like, hey, where's he going? And Gideon's like, we'll ask him when he gets back. 
What? There, <laughs> there are a lot of lines in this episode that I'm just like, okay. Like, you know, we talk about the like sitcom workplace comedy of it all, but sometimes it really just feels like they're like people doing a job and this is one of them. Like that line didn't need to be there. You know, like Derek could have yeah. gone off and we could have moved on, but they took a second to have Gideon be like, I don't know, we'll find out later. Anyway, who's this person? It was like, that didn't, <laughs> like, that didn't need to be there, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is like, it's, this episode has some good coworker banter when Spencer's not being a mean twink. Like, yeah. everybody else is having some fun coworker banter, and Spencer's having oh, none yeah. of it. Truly oh, yeah. ruining the vibes. Truly, honestly, the vibes, his vibes rancid. Yeah, everybody else's vibes, kind of pristine, actually. Kind of, like, really good. All right. This mom, I love this mom, drags her kid and is like, I just found out that my son was out here spray painting this area. Officers, I was going to take him straight to the police station. And instead, I saw you here. I brought him here. Arrest him. <laughs> it's so She is so ready. And this kid is like, yeah, sorry, ma'am. Like, this kid has been reprimanded. Oh, oh, my God. I know. It's so For funny. Sure. And then she's like, the detective's like, well, we're not here because of vandalism. And she's like, well, then what are you here for? And he's like, there's been a murder. And the mom goes, murder? And like looks at her son. And he, the son is like, no, not, no, I did not kill anybody. <laughs> I did not kill anybody. No. Uh, and then Gideon is like, the security guard, did he have a gun? Whatever. Is he shoot at you? And the boy is like, no, he just shot into the air to like scare us away. He was following me, but I got I, you know, escaped. And Gideon's I like, ran. okay. Yeah. yeah. And Gideon's like, okay, you guys can go. And the mom is like, we can go. And Gideon's like, yeah, no biggie. And the mom just grabs her son and hauls him out of there. Hauls him out out. Like, oh. Yeah. I and love Gideon's when like, they yeah. somehow like I love it when they have like extremely good parent kid dynamics that mm-hmm. you see for like 30 seconds i love oh, yeah. these little like you can tell somebody was like hey, this is what my mom was like growing up so we should just do this and like they put it in the show you know what i mean yeah yeah i love when they just like get it right so correct so real gideon says the boy didn't do it he's so scared of his mom <laughs> and he's tiny so like he didn't kill anybody uh, and then yeah. Derek comes back and he's like, yeah, there was a homeless nest in the building with blankets, wrappers, cans. Somebody was staying here. We're at the precinct. Reed is doing the map. Emily's just watching. JJ comes in with a plate of cookies and is like, a detective's wife made us cookies. And Emily turns around and goes, wow, homemade cookies. Nobody has fed this woman a homemade treat in years. Nobody has ever cooked Emily Prentice like a meal for comfort. Only staff has made Emily meals. She's never just like had someone bring her like a bagel. (laughs) But then JJ goes, I guess that's what they mean about good old Southern hospitality. worst southern accent and i literally was like jj you do meet your future husband and he does sound like that next episode you're making fun of this accent now and next episode you do fuck this dude with that accent though (laughs) 
<laughs> like the heart wants what the heart wants question mark <laughs> she was like subconsciously putting it into the universe <laughs> god went that accent was awful i'm gonna make you fall in love with the man who sounds just fucking like that yeah yeah <laughs> so their hospitality also, she walks in clearly having already eaten like two cookies. Yeah, she has one in her mouth as she walks in. And She's like, hey, I was going to give these guys to you. Well, I was going to give these to you guys, but like I had to make sure I got mine first. So JJ's y'all can squabble sit, over the remainders. You're just going to sit at that table and just like absentmindedly ADHD, like eat, keep eating cookies until all the cookies are gone. And she goes, did I just eat 30 chocolate chip cookies? <laughs> The answer Whoops. will be yes. Yeah, you did, girl. Uh, and then Reed's like, what did you say? And Emily's like, haha, Southern hospitality. I love that Emily answers that question. So JJ's like, Southern hospitality. And Reed's like, what do you say? And Emily goes, she said Southern hospitality. <laughs> okay. She's like, did you get the joke, you dumb idiot? That's the we're joke. In the, we're in the South. Because so like we're solid. in Texas. JJ <laughs> made a really good joke. Did you hear the joke that JJ made? She was really funny. Everybody, please clap for JJ's very bad at jokes. Please, everybody, please, if you don't clap and scream and throw up, I'm, I'm built, I'm blowing this whole building to the ground. The gay vibes in this episode are just like immaculate. Okay, really, they are. It's a good one. (laughs) And the next episode is fucking will. Okay, Reed gets mad about the noise. He like shuts the window and is like, it's so loud. And JJ's like, Reed, get fucking used to it. They're doing constrictions. She's just like, get over it. <laughs> She's like, they're gentrifying the neighborhood. Do you want it to be a quiet process? What I do you want? What do you want I here, Reed? He was like, JJ is like over here being like, they're gentrifying this neighborhood. Mm. <laughs> Why is JJ commenting on gentrification? Okay, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's just like a really funny moment where they're like, and yes, we are commenting on gentrification. And now we will not mention it again. Okay. Basically, yeah. Uh, Derek and Gideon come back. They're like, the unsub is probably homeless. And Reed's like, well, that makes sense. All the attacks were near empty buildings. Um, maybe he was recently displaced. And then, like, for the security guard and the construction worker, that was, like, the anger at the displacement. And then the fight with the homeless person was just, like, a squab. Emily and Reed are going to go to the shelter. <laughs> okay, this would be laugh. Emily's like, oh, yeah, we'll go to the shelter. Uh, well, if that's okay with you. Read. She is being so catty to him and he doesn't even clock it. And that's really, honestly, Ugh. biggest injustice of this episode. She gives him the same face like when she was like, You don't respect men as much as you, you don't respect women as much as you respect men to hotch and like her eyebrows are up. She's like, if that's okay with you, Reed. Like she knows I, she shouldn't be saying it, but she can't stop the petty. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then he just goes, I'm fine with it. <laughs> so she's like, okay. Okay. JJ's gonna call mental hospitals. That goes nowhere. Derek is gonna check recent theft cases because like he might be stealing blankets, et cetera, et cetera. And he calls Garcia and they have this funny joke about like her photoshopping him to be like in a sexy cowboy outfit. And he's like, Don't do that. And she's like, I mean, you wouldn't know if I did. Ah, <laughs> uh, hilarious. And he says they mentioned that this precinct is overworked like 20 times. And I can't tell yeah. if it's because they wanted like the real precinct to get attention 
or if they were just like, what if we went to a poor precinct? Oh, you know, like I can't figure out like what the point of that like was. I don't know. Can't be that poor. They had a whole SWAT team with a helicopter in five minutes. Maybe that's just like Houston overall, right? Maybe this particular precinct because they made a point of it being in the fifth ward and they made a point of it being in a gentrified neighborhood like that's true they were just like this particular precinct is fucking shit out of luck but like we can call houston pd central offices and get like a swat team and shit over here houston's not a big city i mean it's a big city but like won't take that long for them to get a fucking cop over there yeah that's true okay derek is like look for pictures of the neighborhood pre-construction so that we can See if anything has changed specifically that could be triggering. Okay. Cut to them tearing down the community center. There's the homeless man, Roy, underneath it. He hallucinates a boy and he's like, look out. Uh, And then there's like a bunch of noise. And one of the construction workers goes down into the pothole and he just snaps his neck, dude. And they make a point of being like, it was a super fast kill. Yeah. And then he booked it the fuck out of there. Oh, yeah. Uh... (laughs) Gideon squats beside the pothole and is like, well, someone needs to go down there. And then he just looks at Derek and Derek is like, ah, fuck you. Okay. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to put it for hazard pay. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Derek and, and Gideon arguing about hazard pay is like so funny to me because it's so, it's so yeah. workplace comedy. It's so funny to me. I feel like, I don't know what it is about Criminal Minds that those moments just feel like they just hit right. I don't know. I mean, other shows must have the same kind of, like, fun banter. But when Criminal Minds does it, I'm just like, these losers. I love them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. There's a nest down there, but it's been kind of cleared away. The jackhammer must have knocked some of the ceiling loose onto the sky. And so they were like, okay, the victims are random because it's when they intrude on his home. Great. Emily and Reed are at the homeless shelter. Two things to address before we start shit-talking Reed. One, Emily's back in her leather jacket and she looks amazing in it as always. So glad we got an Emily outfit check. I feel like we really needed that. We did with that fucking leather jacket. I'm telling you, I love it. It shows up all the time. Um, Second, Emily flashes her badge upside down. (laughs) Yeah, she does. She sure does. How is that the best take? (laughs) It's like another one of those things that's like, the editors were like, (laughs) what if we left it? Guys, what if we left it? I'm going to leave it. 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 And they just did it. What The other option is that that was truly the only take that they didn't flub their lines or fuck this up, which I think is equally as funny, actually. They don't even have any lines in that second. She just flashes her badge and then it cuts to the other woman. And it's like but when you're but when you're filming a scene like that, I guess. that little moment is just at the tail end of like that longer shot. So like I get why mm. they wouldn't do a pickup shot just for that. It's just so because they go back to that same wide shot pretty often, so they probably recorded that whole bunch in like a line. So I get why they Uh, wouldn't go back for it. It is just objectively really funny to me. It's like center screen white, and you know her whole outfit is dark, so you really see it, and it's just upside down. Just upside down, you know. Very funny. All right, okay, here we go. 
they meet Anna, who's the woman in charge. And she's like, yeah, it's really packed, you know, because we're losing all these places for homeless to live. But, you know, I'm trying my best. And Emily's like, oh, that's really nice of you to do. She gets halfway through that sentence and reads like, so do you have like a list of names? And Emily's just like, <laughs> I can't say anything. She gives him this like side eye. I know. I'm like, get his ass, girl, get his ass. You just know that in this moment, she's like thinking about, you know, her secret that she has being like, why am I letting this little twink boss me around? Literally, um, why am I taking shit from this little guy? Fuck this guy. Yeah, exactly. Fuck this little oh. guy for real. Hate this guy. Fuck him. Fuck okay. this dude. And then they're like, she's like, yeah, I do let people sign in, but like, I'm not going to force them to do it. Elvis eats here a lot. This lady is so nice and does not deserve anything of what Reed is about to do. Oh, literally. Reed's like, yeah, there's a homeless serial killer. He could be in this very room right now. He could be here. He could snap at any moment. He could murder you and everybody all the time. Everyone could die. Bye. And then he leaves. And And then he just walks out. He literally turns on his heel and he walks out. And Emily's like, no, uh, ma'am, we don't know that. You're fine. It's fine. You're, it's okay. You're okay. It's okay. And then she leaves and she's like, Reed! What, what the, the fuck? fuck? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Reed, what the fuck, dude? You can't just say shit like that. And Reed's like, well, don't we want to warn her? And Emily's like, you're gonna, you scared the shit out of that woman. And then he, she's like, okay, what is going on with you? Why are you acting like this? And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, I've never seen you like this. And he goes, in all the months you've known me, Emily? Oh, yeah. I don't really think you know what you're talking about. And then he walks away. And Emily is like, what the fuck? And then, of course, they get back to the precinct. And Hodge is immediately, oh, yeah, he's not in a homeless shelter. And Emily, like, makes his face like, fucking fucker. Just, I hate. Just what the fuck, Reed? What the fuck, my guy? You guys didn't even get the list that you went there for. I know. Like, I didn't even take it. Reed? I know. I know. Reed? I know. This woman was so nice and so good. And yeah. y'all just fucking, like, you went in there aiming to kill. Oh, Intent to kill. One thing that also really frustrates me about moments like this is, like, Reed snaps at the women a lot. And he gets he away with it. He the women constantly. Yes, and he gets away with it, like, within the fandom all the time. Oh, he's emotional. Oh, he's upset. But then anytime one of the women is upset and snaps at him, they're being ableist and terrible. And they're just, being so mean and rude. Yeah, like, there's an episode later where JJ is, like, having a PTSD meltdown. And it's like, Reed, can you just, like, stop being you for, like, one second? And everyone points that as like, oh, JJ's an ableist monster. And I'm like, we all say shit when we're having PTSD meltdowns. Like, <laughs> it's it's okay. And then Reed does shit like this and worse later. And it's like, well, he was upset. And that makes me upset. I don't like him. I don't like him right now. I want to, I want to like him. I, I do. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm like, oh, that's cute. But then most of the time, I'm just like, Ugh. Why are you the way that you are? Why were you written the way that you are? Why are you the way that you are, my guy? And like, the other thing too is like, again, I know that he's supposed to be having some sort of fucking, some sort of time right now. 
The show <laughs> is not doing me a good is not doing a good job at showing me the right. bad time that he is having right now because again, we're not getting anything from his POV. We're not mm. seeing him struggle with any of the substances that mm-hmm. he's previously struggled with. He just kind of shows up and is an asshole to like pretty much every woman he meets. Yeah. Like and then only knocks it off when a dude tells him to. And like, I get that Spencer Reed is like your little meow meow. I get it. You know, like if Spencer Reed is your little guy, he's your little guy. I'm not about to be like, I'm not about to like Blorbo shame anybody. But also, he's a fucking sexist dickbag this episode. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to Blorbo shame you. If he's your little guy, he's your little guy. That's fine. Lord knows I love some problematic little guys. But, like, he's a fucking dick this episode, and I feel like nobody ever gets to be a dick quite like Spencer gets to be a dick. No, he gets to be a dick so often. And also, he faces, again, no repercussions. He's incredibly rude to Emily on the jet, and Hotch is just like, Reed, let her help. If anyone else was being rude like that to another teammate, they would get pulled aside and talked to. And no one ever pulls him aside and talks to him. And I think part of it is, like, the team does infantilize Spencer but also if they acknowledge he's being rude they have to acknowledge the source of the rudeness and like for some reason nobody will because here's the thing like I get like you don't want to lose Spencer on the team whatever but like if he had kept up his drug addiction he would have like died or something like you not getting him help is not going to keep him on the team maybe in the short term but not the long term also like you can just you can go to rehab like it's hard to do mm-hmm. and like would be bad on his record but like you right. can go to rehab also there's like never any mention of therapy you know and it's like l gets a psychological evaluation why doesn't read it's just so baffling everything oh. about the way reed Axe is so baffling to me. It is. Me too. He just, just gets away with absolutely everything. And it it's infuriating because I want him to get help. I think he could be really cool if somebody for once just fucking helped him. And no one ever does. And nobody ever does. No one ever does. Nobody ever does. And like, and to his credit, Derek tries. But, you know, Derek does, I mean... I don't want to say it's his responsibility because it's like not, but like Derek doesn't go to Gideon or Hodge. And then when Emily, next episode, Emily says something to Gideon like, hey, Reed's having a hard time. And Gideon's like, I know. It's like, and Emily's like okay, okay, well, that's okay. not helpful. Yeah, exactly. Really you knowing me. is not a helpful emotion right now. You helping yeah. would be helpful. Yeah, and it's just frustrating because all it does is tell Emily that they care more about letting Spencer stay on the team than they do about her safety mental and emotional safety. safety yeah like that's it and it's just like that's what they're telling her in the same way that JJ learned in big game and revelations that the team I guess except for Emily will not support her emotionally mentally Emily has learned the team will not protect her emotionally or mentally and it's terrible these poor women literally somebody help them somebody help these ladies literally all right right they come back hotch says he's not in a homeless shelter because he's like protecting his own home emily's rolling her eyes in the background and emily's like 
we're missing something. Like how did and they're like, how did he learn to kill like this? People don't just like know how to stalk and snap necks and shit. Like that's wild. So like, how did he learn how to kill? And Emily goes, you know what we need? And Hotch goes, we need some luck. And we don't get to see Emily's face. We have no idea if that's what Emily was going to say. I know. It felt like she was building up for a joke or something. And Hotch was just like, we need a lucky break. Period. What if she's and then like, it you moves know what on. We need? She might have been like, you know what we need? A press conference to see if anyone has seen anything. And he's like, luck. We need luck. And just walks away. And she's like, that's not what I was Not what say. I was going for. But, but okay. okay, boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, why did they not do a press conference? Hey, have you seen a homeless guy looking around? Like, out of place, whatever. Like, I don't know. They just never, like, bother. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. We see a man taking out the trash from a store. He sees the homeless guy, and he starts, like, banging the trash can, and he's like, hey, this is my store. Go sleep somewhere else. And then the the guy almost, Roy almost kills this man. And then the girl screams, and he just, like, looks at her, and he's like, whoa, a child. (laughs) Which was interesting. And then, although I, okay. Tell me what you think about this. Mm -hmm. I don't like that it was a little girl. He's having such a specific flashback that just like this little girl, I don't think would hit in the same, like it's not all children. It's specifically like this little black boy. I don't know. I just thought it was weird. They like picked a child, a girl. Yeah, but I do kind of, I do, though, like, (sighs) number one, I think this child actor does a pretty good job. Mm -hmm. I also, though, I like it being her because I think then it's like, it's different enough that you're realizing that he's hallucinating. You know what I mean? Like, what we see... Yeah, like what we see and what he see are this is like the most different it gets. You know what I mean? Like That's true. That's true. I I I like it being this little girl and the way that it like almost seems to like you think it almost like snaps him out of it. And then it's just like not. And then it doesn't. Yeah, I, yeah. I that's I I do like it being this little girl actually. You know, I think that's a good point, and I think they do a good job of showing that, where, like, she screams and he stops and looks at her, and you're like, oh, like, that snapped him out of it. And then she says, he asked her, are you okay? Why are you crying? And it's like, oh, it did not snap him out of it. It was just, like, a distraction in his delusion. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's really interesting. Uh, So the girl takes the dad to the precinct. He's bleeding. Emily speaks Spanish. That's fun. Um, She's like, okay. Yeah, she speaks okay Spanish. Yeah. yeah. It's a little wobbly, but it's better than Els was. Uh, yeah. Emily and Hoss. Sad that um, fucking Patrick Brewster's white woman Spanish was better than the Cuban characters, but okay. I know. Um, okay. Emily and Hotch are talking to Maria, the little girl's name is. And she's like, we're taking out the trash. The man jumped out. Um, he didn't. Oh, and then she says he looked sad. And then he yeah. says, like, are you okay? Are you crying? And Hotch is like, you're so brave, Maria. Can you tell us what he looked like? And she's like, white, tall, dirty, wearing a wedding ring. 
Uh, and then the abuela shows up and the girl goes and they hug and it's very adorable. Okay. Back in the conference room. We learn. We can I also just say, actually, before we move on, sorry. Mm-hmm. Can I also just say, I like the way Hotch interacts with this girl. I like the way, I like the team of Hotch and Emily mm-hmm. taking care of this little girl. Because they are the ones who, we don't know it yet, but they are the ones who are technically like parents, right? Like mm. Hodge with his son and then Emily later on with mm-hmm, plot relevant child right. that isn't technically hers, but is hers, you know, for all right, intents and right, purposes. Right. Like I like the, I like these mm-hmm. two being the duo to like keep this kid safe and keep her calm during this time. Yeah. And we'll see it again and again, Emily and children. She's so good with children. She's so good with kids. I like literally don't want to spoil like anything about that. Um, but there's some good moments as we continue with her yeah. and kids. There's a lot uh, of good moments with her and kids. Give Emily Prentice a child. Uh, Please. Okay. In the conference room, we learn, you know, he's not aware of his own actions. Garcia calls. Oh, yeah. JJ sits on the table, like on the table. And she and Emily like make cute eye contact. Because Garcia is like, hola, cowboys and cowgirls. <laughs> I love her. Okay. Garcia compares the pictures from before and after the construction. There's an SOS on the ceiling where the guard was killed. So, like, this guy is put an SOS and they realize okay, the noise, the tactics, the sneaky, and the SOS, he's a veteran with PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. So they yeah. call, yeah. They figured they call, it out. They did it. They, <laughs> I almost wish this episode was about, like, the epidemic of homeless veterans. And instead it but just, like... But they do tackle that later, at least. Do they? Yeah. With uh, Rossi's friend. Oh, I thought you meant this episode. I was like... No, they? not this episode. <laughs> no, later on, season yes. three or You're four, right. they tackle it with Rossi's friend. They tackle it a few uh, different times, actually. Yeah, they do. Not in this episode. You're right. Okay, you know what? You're right. You're right. Thank you. I love being right. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. They call Derek and Gideon, and they're like, he must have served somewhere that looked and sounded like this area. He has PTSD war-related. They talk about disassociation, and then Emily says, the mind divorces itself from reality so it can cope with the trauma. And I was like, oh, baby girl, Emily, no. She, Emily, please. She hasn't done it yet. I don't know when the first time she does it is. But she has moments where she will just be sitting there fully disassociating. And someone will talk to her and she'll be like, huh, what? Oh, I was just thinking about how I might actually be a terrible person. <laughs> you know casually Casual. oh, i'm just you know, sitting trauma. at this conference table table trying to sort through my trauma yeah, yeah we can definitely go get dinner chinese sounds great like <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry war literal war flashbacks um take out sounds good <laughs> yeah so the guy i think sits a war zone they're like we need to find his wife he has a wedding ring and they're like jj go look through every precinct missing persons report like it doesn't have to be here he might not be from here then we see the guy eating a sandwich and then he like hides from a couple and he sees again the boy standing there staring at him. And this time we see like full PTSD flashbacks. We haven't actually seen any of his PTSD flashbacks, but now we do. Yeah. Yeah. 
So JJ finds the wife, Dana, and the best friend, Max. Her husband has been missing since Tuesday. At this point, we don't know if it's Rory, but like, obviously, why would they bring in not Rory's wife? So like, yeah. it's Rory. Um, he called on the way home from work that Tuesday, February 13th. And the next day, he still hadn't shown up. They file a missing persons report the next day, which is Valentine's Day. And like, obviously, they're not going to make like a big deal out of it. But like, no one mentions how it's like Valentine's Day. <laughs> I think they don't mention it because. Because this episode happens like five days after that. I mean, I know that. But like, she could have been like. He was missing and we were supposed to do something for Valentine's Day. He said he got some big news. Which, by the way, we never learn what that big news is. Okay, can I tell you my conspiracy theory? Oh, yes. Because here's what I think. Mm -hmm. I think that she said that he had called her and said that they had like needed to talk about something, mm -hmm. right? He was upset, yeah. He was upset. I think best friend... His best friend was having an affair with his wife. And I think that's what they needed to talk about. And that's oh why God. he was like upset and like stopped like change a tire. And like, I think that that's think my conspiracy that's theory. true because she says like he didn't come home from work. So Max came over and the next day we went out. So I was like, so he spent the night. Yeah. Like, she's like, I, I, I lost him 14 years ago. I fully no, think that they are having an affair and that yeah. he had like somehow found out or he like suspected yeah. and they were going to talk then, about that. And there's a moment when they're talking about like, does he have any symptoms of PTSD? And she's like, yeah, they started getting worse a year ago. And they say, what happened a year ago? And Dana and Max share, look, but we never learned what started a year ago. And I think they started having an affair a year ago. And that's what it was. And the stress of yeah. that, like, made his PTSD worse. And he finally was like, I can't deal with it anymore. It's Valentine's Day. Time to go confront my wife about her cheating. I think that's why. Because no, it feels so weird to me that, like, yes. his best friend showed up. And, yes. like, why would you call his best friend immediately and the best friend doesn't, like, go out to look for his car or... Like, it seemed right. weird to me. So my conspiracy theory is that these two were definitely having an affair and he found out about it or was going to confront her about it, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And I think there's a lot of guilt there from the best friend because, like, they were having this affair and the best friend was, like, you know... Very much struggling with PTSD. She lists yeah. off, like, what he can't do. Like, oh, he yeah. can't be in crowds. He can't do loud noises. Yes, yeah, That's a lot... That's a lot of the. Oh, like, yes, that's a lot of very obvious symptoms and things that are triggering to him. Yes. Why is this man not already getting help? You're obviously somewhat aware of well, it. If you can Max, list off four of his things at the off the top of his head. like Max does say that he tried to get him to go to veteran services to like talk to a counselor and he refused. Yeah. Um, so it's like just, I mean it's it's yeah. also like imagine being a fucking like army ranger in 93 and admitting that you're having nightmares you know like now yeah the converse, I mean think about how much work is still happening to remove the stigma of talking about mental health and PTSD in the 90s it was even worse so like I yeah, get it true. he's trying to be like big tough man but I I feel for him I feel for all the men who came back from war and 
couldn't get the help they need, didn't get the help they need. That's why we have so many homeless veterans with mental issues, with mental health issues. Yeah. Okay. So he called her from home, upset. Where does he work? Oh, he works at a security form, a security firm. And Gideon's like, so has he ever seen combat? Immediately, Max is like, why do you ask? What makes you think he's done combat? It was just like weirdly suspicious. This Max figure. He's sketchy. Yeah. He's a little sketchy, isn't he? Yeah. And I don't know if it's just like the guy or like, I don't know. Or if they had told him that whole like backstory. Right. <laughs> he's the only one who and- knows. Yeah, those two those two are the only people who know about that whole elaborate cheating backstory. Like Yeah. Uh but basically he says they were special ops. They were Seventh Ranger Regiment, Bravo Company Third Battalion, together, the two men. Also, Max doesn't say that he retired. We know that Roy retired after Mogadishu, but Max never says that he retired. So that was interesting to me. Okay, so let's talk about Mogadishu. Let's talk about Mogadishu. Here's my guess. I think we probably did a lot of war crimes there. Yeah. I'm going to just like, that's just blanket blanket statement. That's a pretty good mm-hmm. guess. What do you hear some as... of these numbers? Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> let's <laughs> right. go. Let's give me a rundown of the war crimes. Have you heard of the book slash movie Black Hawk Down? Yes, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it, but yeah, I've heard. That's this. So, yeah, so Mogadishu is a city or, like, prefect area in Somalia, uh, 1993. Also, the uh, war ended on my birthday, like, my actual birthday. Congrats on being born! (laughs) Okay, so it's basically Somalia was in the middle of a civil war, and the UN kind of joined in to provide food aid because people were starving because of the civil war, but their mission eventually shifts to establishing democracy and restoring the government. So on June 5th, the UN is attacked in Pakistan while they're delivering aid. They assume it's this guy named Abdid. And so on July 12th, the Abdi house, this guy's like house was raided. Uh, It's called Bloody Monday. And they killed, like, all the elders and the clansmen of this Somalian clan. And so America says, oh, it was a terrorist meeting. They were meeting to attack. But literally the day before in the newspaper, the clan put out that they were having a peaceful gathering to talk about ending violence. And America showed up during that peaceful gathering and killed all of the elders and a bunch of the clansmen. Yeah, that's a bad time, huh? No, it's bad. So after that, Abdita's like, oh, hey, actually, fuck Americans. So on August 8th, he targets Americans for the first time. He finds Americans to go kill, which I get it. So then August 22nd, after that, Clinton dispatches the task force Rangers. This is where, in fiction land, Roy and Max come in. So the 75th Ranger Regiment... Bravo Company, 3rd Battalion. They're the Army Rangers. Their job is to direct, to do direct action raids in hostile environments. They also do special reconnaissance, personnel recovery, and clandestine insertion. And as of December 17th, 2021, they have seen 7,000 days of unbroken combat. 
So they have been in daily combat for 19 and a half years. The Omni Rangers. Holy shit. Yeah. So that's the Omni Rangers. That's real life numbers. Yeah. 19 and a half years. Okay. So then August 3rd and or October 3rd and 4th, 1993, there's an overnight raid. And this turns into the Battle of Mogadishu. Two Black Hawk helicopters are downed, and those men are, like, in the jungle. And the Americans spend all night fighting to recover them. And basically, those men get, those men and more men, get held in the city of Mogadishu for 18 hours, hiding in buildings while the Somalian militia tries to kill them. In 18 hours, they kill between 500 and a thousand Somalians. Holy shit. They are holed up in the city and they kill between 500 and a thousand Somalians in less than a day. God. Yeah. So that's kind of like the end of it. The UN pulls out, the US pulls out. They're like, forget it. So at the end of this, there are 18 dead Americans and 73 wounded. Okay, 18 dead Americans. There are between 315 and 2,000 dead Somalians. That's what we did. I was right about the war crimes part, wasn't I? Mm -hmm. And so, like, some of the aftermath was the Somalians dragging the bodies of dead Americans through the streets of Mogadishu as, like, a protest. Uh, And then that kind of led directly to Clinton later not helping during the Rwandan genocide where millions of Rwandans were killed. Clinton was like, eh, but Somalia, Mogadishu, that kind of went bad. We're not going to help Rwanda. We're going to literally let them be slaughtered. I have a lot of feelings about the Rwanda genocide for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, yikes, but he plays the saxophone. So. <laughs> yikes, but he does play a stupid fucking saxophone. And. That's what they call a Pyrrhic victory. Pyrrhic victory. That takes such a toll on the victor, it's basically defeat. And that's Mogadishu. So, that's real life. Back in Criminal Minds world. Yeah. Roy was in the city in that 18 hours waiting for help. Roy and his partner and his partner friend, Max, were there and so roy retired after that battle roy said actually <laughs> no thank you. no yeah i am out of here yeah and skipping a little further ahead you know my max ends up leaving the room gideon follows him and we learned that max was sleeping roy was on guard and max wakes up to see a gun an ak-47 pointed at his face so um roy jumps up instinct snaps the guy the shooter's would-be shooter's neck. And it's an 11-year-old boy. Yeah. And you kind of don't come back from that. I You super don't. I would guess killing an 11-year-old boy, super, super not easy to live with. Yeah, super not yeah. something your brain deals with in a normal way. Yeah. And then, so that, we learned that later, but so we're back in the conference room, right? And Reed's like, does he have any symptoms of PTSD? And the wife's like, I don't know. And the boy, the boyfriend, 
the best friend says, you know, oh, you know, war, you bring something home with you. And Gideon's like, what happened over there? And he's like, well, combat happened. And the wife says, like, you know, he has nightmares where he wakes up in a cold sweat. He can't handle loud noises. He can't handle crowds. If there's any kind of burning smell, he, like, throws up. And it started getting worse a year ago. We never learned why it started getting worse a year ago, but it did. Now you and I are fully on the uh, affair conspiracy theory train. I do. I do. I really truly think that's the only like explanation for this, honestly. I think so, too. It's the one that makes the most sense. Yeah. So then, you know, Max goes out. He's talking with Gideon. We already talked about that. Hotch is talking with Dana and JJ and Emily. And Dana is like, the wife is like, so what is this about, though? Like, I reported my husband missing. What is all this about? Why these questions, etc. And Hotch says, there's somebody's on the street who's hurting people. And we think it's your husband. And she's like, it can't be. Like, why would he be here? We don't live here. And then Garcia calls and says, somebody found his car, like, in a lot. And they're like, that's his car. That's him. It's definitely him now. There's no way to say that it isn't. Uh, and the way that they got out of that situation where Roy killed that kid is that they found a radio, they fixed it, and they called for an extraction. And they used, and Gideon's like, did you use rocks to make an SOS? And Max is like, how could he possibly know that? And Roy is, Roy has done that. So we know he's kind of fully back in that mindset of like, either having just killed the kid or the moment before he killed the kid. That's where he is. He's there that yeah. night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Max is like, you're not going to find him. And if you do, like, he doesn't miss. And then we see Roy having more PTSD flashbacks. It was so hard to concentrate in this episode. It was so loud. Yeah. I was like, God, like, I, like, I get what they did. And they, it was good. It had a good effect. I felt it. But. I was a little too affected. <laughs> I was a little too affected, actually. Okay. So then they're in the precinct and the SWAT is gathering to search and they're like you know I hope he doesn't rush them they would shoot him if he rushed them and Dana the wife sees all the guns and JJ shows up and like leads her away and Dana's like why do they have all these guns what's going on and then she's like how badly were those people hurt and JJ says he's killed like five people and Dana just says, he never really came home. It's like living with a ghost. Youch. Yeah, and I, I I, have a question for you. Yeah. I feel like this episode, and well, you're right, later Criminal Minds talks about army veterans. I feel like it's it's not quite a condemnation of serving in the military, but I think it makes it kind of really clear war is bad. And they have that message at the end, you know, war is bad. But then they have a big mural tribute to the troops you know yeah i mean i but i feel like that's kind of like an american sentiment especially think in 2007 when we were like in the middle of the iraq war and like people were just fucking dying left and right it's like on the one hand you know i to make it clear i'm definitely like anti-big military but i think the american attitude is kind of like obviously we don't wish there were war and we don't wish like people were dying, but we're American and it's our job to spread freedom and democracy. So someone who joins the military is doing a great, good service. And if they die, it's sad, but they died serving their country, you know? 
Yeah, I think, especially in 2007, I think that was probably the overwhelming sentiment. I think it's probably a lot less now. Um, But yeah, this episode is really interesting for the way that it doesn't glorify the fact that this guy killed an 11-year-old child. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a really interesting... Because I feel like Criminal Minds tries to be, like, anti-war when it can, really. Like, it tries... Yeah. It, it tries in a weird way. And, like, it doesn't way. need to. And I don't think it does it especially well. But I think mm-hmm. we should at least point out that, like, it's kind of trying to be anti-war. Like, she lost her husband 14 years ago when he went off to war. He yeah. has lived as a ghost. He... He didn't come back, really. And I think, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I think it might not be anti-war, but it's definitely pro-veteran. And it's pro yeah, it's pro-veteran for veterans. Yeah, and I think it's it's just it's it's weird. It's it's hard because this is a show about the federal government. It's a yeah. show about cops. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. but they have a lot of opinions about the way people are treated and i think that's kind of what helps me watch my propaganda show uh is that sometimes they pull back the curtain and are like we know we're a propaganda show but here's what happens to veterans when they get back home here's why homeless rates among veterans are really really high here's why yeah you know what i mean Yes, I understand what you mean. And yeah, I think it does make the propaganda go down a little bit easier. You know, the propaganda yeah. show goes down just a little bit easier because it's got a nice little gel of like, they almost recognize that they're propaganda sometimes. Yeah, it, it sometimes come to mind feels like if they could be really critical of the American government, they would be. But also we have to use our logical brains and being like, they obviously like, sometimes it feels like they might, but they would never actually in a million years do it, even if they could, you know? No. And in later seasons, it gets even worse. Obviously no one's immune to propaganda, but I'm not blind to the propaganda of criminal minds. (laughs) Okay. She asks, Dana asks JJ for help. She's like, please help him. You know, because even if that's not her husband anymore, she still, like, really loved that man. And she still, like, loves him. She stayed with him for 14 years, even though he wasn't quite himself, you know. Reed is working on the profile map again. And basically, he said, I realize, um, you know, the road that he takes, Dana told us the highway he takes, uh, they were doing construction. And they closed the road for, like, five or ten minutes. Roy probably pulled off to change his tire. And then five miles away, a building was imploded for construction. And that sound probably triggered him. And that's why he ended up in the Fifth Ward is because that's just happened to be where he pulled off and where he was triggered and he stayed where he was. And it looks, I think it's a great commentary on how poor urban areas look like war zones. They, the buildings are dilapidated. The people are homeless. There's riddled with drugs and guns. And it literally reminds him of war in Somalia. Yeah. Just an interesting, interesting that they like dropped that in there. Yeah. That's care about our homeless. They're fighting for their lives. You know, Garcia calls. Oh, here's another one of those weird idiosyncratic, idiosyncratic things. Garcia calls and goes, why isn't Derek answering? And 
Reed says, I don't know, he's probably underground and can't get signal. And she goes, underground? He goes, I'll tell you later. And she goes, oh, okay. Anyway, I looked through all these police reports. I was like, what? <laughs> Where is Derek? <laughs> Where is that man? Where'd he go? <laughs> Why did we have that? Com- like, did we need a reason for her to be calling Reed instead of Derek? Probably. So we had to say Derek didn't have signal. Like, why not just call Reed? Like, he's also on the team. Just call Reed. It was so like, she's like, where is he? Okay, tell me later. Anyway, it was like, what? anyway, like- <laughs> we just we just needed to know he was underground. Like, it was like such a weird three lines. I was like, whatever. Oh, and then I wrote, where did Reed's weird behavior go? He's fine again. He's chill. He's like, he's like, you know what? I yelled at Emily. I got my I got my steam out. You know. <laughs> He's either on more drugs or less drugs right now, apparently, question mark. I don't know how his thing works. I don't quite know how his drug system works. She's gone through a bunch of police reports, and she's like, there's nothing weird. They're all break-ins, nothing for, like, survival. You know, one construction place did, like, report a missing radio, but, like, you know, what are you going to do? And then Reed's like, a radio? And he just hangs up, and she keeps talking, and he's, like, gone. I thought that was so weird. Why did he hang up? <laughs> Normally, in the future, she'll be like, they did this. And they go, what a radio. Yeah, they show radio. Thanks, Garcia. And they hang up. This was just like, click. Also, why did her headset not like click when he hung up? She's just like talking, talking, talking. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like, why did they, they showed the Hello? scene like she <laughs> didn't know that he hung up. Like. It's in her ear. She and know. it just. <laughs> It makes me laugh because I feel like there's something like I feel like they just edited that incorrectly. I feel like he listened to the whole statement. You know what I mean? Like uh, they just cut I feel it like so that, that was it was after an instead editing. of before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that was just an editing goof. Hotch is giving the SWAT pictures of the guy. This is where we see the date on the missing persons report. He says nobody approached him alone. He's dangerous. Cool. Hotch shows up and goes, "Yup, he had a nest at every scene." And you're like, oh, that's why you were underground. <laughs> we didn't need that at this point. But like, okay. Hotch goes, I need a dozen radios, one on every frequency. to like figure out what frequency he's on. And Max is like, no, he's a special agent. He's going to use this like code, blah, blah, blah. And then the detective is like, hey, listen, I get that he's a veteran. I get that we are sympathetic to his mental health. He has killed a bunch of people, though. And I would like to protect my district so if we could catch this guy instead of babying him which yeah. i was like i get it i get it i get it of course we're sympathetic to the whole plight but like also he has been just out, out his mental health is making him a serial killer if we could stop that that'd be great you know yeah literally he yeah. has murdered like five people in under a week yeah. so we do need to like get this get this under control yeah so let's get through the rest of this then i'll say this thought that i have garcia has recon satellites roy's calls for help on the walkie-talkie max answers roy's like i don't know where i am and max is like did you put up flags and yes of course i did idiot they find them there's some abandoned buildings and the detective is like i will stop construction they say they're gonna need a chopper but they don't have like fatigues so they're like okay we have black cars say we're like a security executives i don't know what that means i think they mean like mercenaries oh there's a really interesting moment where JJ standing behind Roy's wife as she like is left behind again kind of thing and I was like that's such an interesting mirror because like JJ and Penelope you know they are the ones who stay 
behind and while their team kind of goes out there and puts their lives at risk and like in a way it is like you know the wife watching her loved ones run into battle yeah. i just thought that was interesting that is an interesting little there. parallel now that i think about it yeah i, I thought that was really interesting this it doesn't stay for long because jj's just going to the field more soon but that was just an interesting like oh that's a good point <laughs> that's um, a good point it's a good point so then they find him and max is like come on it's time to come in and then someone starts jackhammering and triggers the guy and then like a boy comes out on a bike and he starts running to protect the boy gets shot in the back and he asks gideon like is the boy okay and gideon's like yeah he is and roy dies like still in his delusion but like thinking you know knowing the boy is safe you know i thought that was a little poetic Everyone is super sad. Garcia, like, throws her headset off. The detective is like, thanks for the help. Emily's like, yeah, sorry, we should have gone differently. Gideon is sitting where the, di- where the guy died. And they have a very clear, like, war is bad. And then someone's painting, like, a war memorial. End of the episode. So here's my question for you. Uh-huh. Do you think Roy dying was a cop-out? Huh. If he had lived... How would they have helped him? What would they have done? Would it have been wrong for his wife to divorce him? How would that trial have gone? Would it have been like an insanity plea? Or would he have been snapped out of his delusion and then be tried like a sane person? I feel like by killing him, they avoided all of these questions. They didn't have to examine the failure of the American military system that this happened to a veteran, you know? Yeah. You know, huh. I don't especially think it's a cop out mm-hmm. because I don't think for one, like a one off episode of Criminal Minds, mm-hmm. I don't think they could have ended it any other way and ended it cleanly any other way. Because okay. I think if they had taken him into custody, they wouldn't have been able to, like, taking him into custody, I feel like wouldn't be the thing to break that delusion that he's in. Mm-hmm. yeah like i don't know like would they have put him in handcuffs like that's kind of my question is like would he have come out and they would have grabbed him and put him in handcuffs or would they have just like we're taking you back to base and then take him to a mental hospital i just i don't i think you're right the only way to end the episode cleanly would have been to kill him it just it kind of feels like the easy way out yeah it's definitely the easy way out of this episode but i think they hmm. I don't think I would have especially liked them handling it any other way because I know Criminal mm-hmm. Minds. Right. So I don't I don't especially think that it was a cop-out. I think this is probably the only good way they could have ended it because, like, yeah, I think this is the only good way they could have ended this episode, yeah. honestly. I don't know what else they would have done. They would have felt right. Good. And yeah. like not that this feels good emotionally, but like this no. feels like a like a solid conclusion. Yeah, like narratively, it is a satisfying ending. And we all get to be sad at the end with the characters kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, not a t- not a great episode, but not nearly as bad as we have been. Yeah. I think this is again, like I said, it's a step up from fear and loathing. Not a big step, but it is a step. If this had been, like, sandwiched between any other two episodes, I would have been like, yeah, it's a good episode, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's fine. It's okay. an okay. It's a perfectly, it's a perfectly fine episode. Yeah. 
episode. It's a fun episode of Come and Wines. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, how perfectly fine is it? Honestly, it's a five. I was also just gonna go with a five. It's like, <laughs> what else it's like do you rank? Fine. Like, it's it's a perfectly yeah. average episode of Criminal Minds. It's certainly on the lower end of the season, but that's kind of just because we've had a lot of banger episodes this season. Yeah, and we're about so, to have even more. And we're about to have even more. Jones, Honor Among Thieves, Legacy, mm-hmm. Dance Dance Your Evolution. Favorite. Like, <laughs> uh! Yeah. They, I don't think they, Not. they didn't say Wheels Up. Did they no. say the name of the episode within the episode? Distress? I don't think they did. No. Because they never talk about him being in distress. They always talk about him being in like a war zone. They just never say distress, I feel. No, I don't think they say it. Alrighty. No frowny face. Mm. You hate okay. to see it. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. That's it for this week of Wheels Up. You can find us on any social media at Wheels Up Pod. Uh, we come out with a new episode every other Wednesday ish. Kind of. We try we our try. best. James, do you have an ending quote for me this week? I do. Mm-hmm. As Penelope Garcia says, Are you lonely in the Lone Star State? And are you wearing chaps? <laughs> God, I love her little lines. They're